Welcome to the Hanover Valley Podcast, a ministry of Hanover Valley Presbyterian Church. We are located at 133 Carlisle Street in downtown Hanover, Pennsylvania. Check out the rest of our website at hanovervalley.org. Thank you for listening. We are going to look at another section out of the book of Mark. You can be turning to that or use the uh, printed scripture that's there in the bulletin, uh, scrolling down or turning to it in your bulletin. Uh, we're looking at these um, at this biography of Jesus uh, done by Mark. It's the shortest of the Gospels, uh, shortest of those biographies. It's fast-paced. It's quick. It's it's got it's got small little um, engagements of what Jesus did and, and how he lived in the time in which he uh, he entered the world. And these little segments, these little uh, pieces, um, are sort of snapshots about who he is. And what he's come to do and the hope that he provides for our world. And we're going to see this next little snapshot uh, starting in verse 14 of chapter 1. Follow along, if you will, um, and I will read it. And then we'll spend a few minutes uh, looking at it. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time had come, he says. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called, he called them, and they left their nets and their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is God's word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us today. Thank you for the grace that you provide. Lord, I pray that you'd help us understand it, that uh, really what, what prevents us from enjoying its benefits is that we don't see it. We don't, we don't, we don't get what's really there. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would illuminate our minds and hearts. That's what we need. We need your light. We need your life to enter us from outside in. For we are dull, dark, doomed creatures without you. I pray that you'd, you'd transform us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, there's, a, there's an author and uh, uh, a biblical teacher, theologian uh, named Tom Wright. He tells the story of a, of a boy, uh, you know, who'd grown. Um, he tells the story of when he was a boy, he, uh, he, his father was, would always try to convince him to go into the family business. He doesn't really tell me, he doesn't really talk about what the family business was, but that it was generations old. They were, it was their fourth generation or fifth generation, and the father would always sort of say, I want you to, you know, you, you have to go into the family business. This is what we do. This is who we are. We are, uh, uh, we ha- you know, you're the fourth or fifth generation of this business. This is what you should do. And the, and the son's response was, I, I don't want to go into the family business. I want to become a poet. <laughs> the father said, that's a dumb idea. There's no security in poetry. You can't just be a poet. The poets don't, poets don't have, have any, there's no, there's no place for poets. Poets don't, poets, there's no future in poetry. 
for you. There's no stability in poetry for you. You need to go into the family business. That's what you need to do. The boy was resolute in becoming a poet, and so he did. And became poet lariat of England. And such a successful poet lariat of England, there is a memorial in Westminster Abbey uh, upon his death of the impact and artistry that he left the country and the world at the time. Um, what would make you leave everything you have? What would make you turn your back on everything that was familiar, stable, and understandable? That's the image we have here in this picture, this snapshot of Jesus this snapshot shows us it's, it's a drama. It's, 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 more, it's less a snapshot and more a video, more, a, more a, 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 a drama. We see his words for the first time. We see his interaction with, with people in this engagement telling us something about himself. And we see fishermen. Um, the story that Tom Wright tells is a story of generations of a family business, but I can't imagine that these fishermen were not decades, generations upon generation fishermen. These were not, these were not uh, newbies. These were successful fishermen. They had hired men. At least James and, James and John's father, Zebedee, had hired men. These were, these were generations old. We, this is who we are. This is, our, this is our heritage. This is our livelihood. This is our contribution to our community, to our world. This is how we fit in to the larger landscape of things. This is what you must be. This is how we change the world, fishermen. Look at what we provide. Look at what we do. Look at what we are. Fishermen. Generations, generations, more than four generations. And they turn to their dad and say, we'd rather follow him. What would make you do that? Well, the snapshot shows us the only evidence, the only sort of underpinning, the only motivation for, le for, for, for giving up everything you know, everything that's familiar, everything that's safe, everything that's, that's understandable in your life, turning away from all of that to, to, to this mysterious opportunity with a mysterious man you've just met. The text gives us, as it were, three things that would captivate that change. And Jesus is describing it. He's describing his mission, his message, and his means. The alliteration is mine. Um, the mission. Jesus says the very first words we have from Jesus, the very Mark tells us the very first thing he said upon, embark upon, upon embarking upon his mission is, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. What he's, the, the, the mission that Jesus is on, he's proclaiming what he's about, and he's about bringing in a new kingdom. Bringing in a new, and the kingdom that he's bringing in, lest you misunderstand what it's, what it's all about, a kingdom means a whole new world order, a whole new way of things. He, bringing in an entirely new system, paradigm. He, Jesus is saying to the people around him, to 
the people in, in his wake, telling you and me that what he's about is total cultural transformation, a whole new way to see life, a, a better way of life, better, better, more, more powerful, more transformative, better, better, better emotionally, better better relationally, better culturally, better financially, better psychologically, better in terms of um, societally. What he's saying is I've come to bring a whole new, a whole new and whole better, holistic change to the way life operates. And that kingdom is now, and that kingdom is happening, and that kingdom is near. And, and they wanted to be a part of that kind of change. Um, we're all, this, this, this message that Jesus is giving, or this, this mission, the mission of change, the mission of transforming the world from the condition it's in to the better condition is really tapping into an innate desire that we all have. Don't, don't you think? We all want a better world, right? Don't you? Whether it's, whether it's better just for you and your world, the world you operate in, the world, the community, maybe your, maybe your world, maybe your sense of a better kingdom is just the town in which you live. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the nation or, that you live in. Maybe it's just your family. Maybe it's... But regardless of what you see as your kingdom, what, regardless of how you experience your own kingdom, you're trying, we're all trying to make our kingdom, our world, our setting, what is around us, the kingdom of this world, better. We want it to be better, better. And I don't know, I don't know what you mean by better, but you, but there's a motivation that it would be better. Better meaning, meaning easier. Better meaning happier. Better meaning richer. Better meaning. that others would experience that as well as you. I don't know what it is, but this is an innate desire of humanity. It's not, something, it's not something you have to be taught. We want our world to go better. We want something different. We, we, we see how broken it is. We see how, how out of shape the world is, and we want it, uh, we want it to be a different way, a more whole, happier, healthier way. And Jesus is saying, I've come to do that. That's, I want the world to change. I want your world to change. I want the whole world to change. I want to bring a whole new, better, healthier, whole. He says later in his life, I want to bring shalom, the the, the coming to fruition, the glorious, the glorious richest of all kingdoms. I've come to do that. That's what, I've, that's what I'm about. I'm here to make whole-scale change on all the brokenness, and that's what I want to do. Do you want to be a part of that? And it's happening, he's saying. He's, it's happening. And see, the, 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 
the message of him bringing whole-scale change was meant to evoke a sense of hopefulness because they did not live in a world where this whole-scale change, where this healthy, happy kingdom existed. They, they did not live. Peter, James, and John, Andrew, did not live in a world like that. They lived in a world of brokenness. They lived in a world where they were outsiders. They lived in a world where what they said was dismissed. They lived in a world where there was, where there was uh, cultural, racial uh, injustice that was, ha- that was happening across, across the landscape. There was an inequity that, w- that existed. There was, a, there was a lack of compassion. There was, there was disparate. They were disparate of any sense of unity, any sense of, any sense of holistic diversity where the beauty of God and the beauty of humanity could be existed. None of that existed here. And Jesus said, I've come to change all that. I've come to bring hope that what you believe in, what you want, what you you envision as the beautiful kingdom could actually occur. I've come to bring whole-scale change and more than you can imagine, more overwhelming than you can dream of. I've come to to take your dream of of the most beautiful, opulent kingdom of this world and amp it up Beyond imagination, I've come to give you that and to bring that to our world. And it was meant to evoke a sense of hope, a sense of thrill. Oh my gosh, this could actually happen? Here's someone saying that this could actually occur? I'd long since lost hope. I'd long since given up the idea that that anything could change, that that life can change, that I could change, that people could change, that the world could change, that the culture would be renewed. I've long since given up hope of that. And we live in the same world, those those ideas we still entertain right now. There are many in our world, maybe you, depending upon the time of day, time of week, time of year. You've long since given up hope that change can occur. Long since given up any sense of encouragement, any optimism that the world can actually become the dream that you perceive. And Jesus says, no. I am that kingdom. I am that king. And that kingdom is near. That kingdom is, that kingdom is near? It's near? Meaning it's... It's, it's close. When I look at change, when you and I see the world around us, when we see the utter, the utter brokenness, the utter betrayal, the, 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 utter, the utter catastrophe that is our world, we would not look at the world and go, we're getting close. 2,000 years ago, Jesus says, we're close. The kingdom is close. The kingdom is rare. And I am the embodiment of that. And we are getting the, to this renewal. The kingdom that he's bringing is about world transformation in a hopeful fashion, but it is also the kingdom he's saying here is a little counterintuitive. What I mean by that, counterintuitive, counterintuitive. How does a kingdom like that happen? How does, what's the, well, if you're going to see that kingdom, how do we see it progressing? How do we see it developing? Jesus says it's near. Where did he say it was near? In other words, in what context did he say the kingdom of God is near? 
that this hopeful kingdom of change, that this transformative culture that he's, that he's promising, how, uh, in what context did he say that that was near? He, in the context, he said, don't lose sight of the first verse we read because before we hear him say the kingdom is near, <clears throat> the kingdom of God is near and, and the kingdom of God is coming and I'm going to bring this hope. Right before he says that, it says John made point of saying, in what context did he say this? After John the Baptist was put in prison. That's counterintuitive. Because what we're seeing here is John the Baptist was the voice of the kingdom preparing the way for the Lord. John the Baptist was saying things can change by repentance and faith. There's one coming whose shoes I cannot I'm not worthy to untie and tie again. He, he, will, he will, I wash you. I'm cleansing the world. I'm cleansing the outside through, through the washing of water. He's going to cleanse. He's going to transform from the inside. Boom. He, pre he preached the message of the kingdom. He was the precursor to the kingdom. He was about cultural transformation, life transformation, cleansing holistically, bringing refreshment of the water and having it, having it renew everything. And then he goes to prison. And Jesus says, we're getting closer. What? That doesn't make sense to my mind. Because the disciples are seeing the kingdom not getting closer. In their perception, their perception is, oh my goodness, it's getting worse. It's getting worse, and to prove it's getting worse, the evidence for things getting worse is the guy that was talking about it, the odd guy out in the desert, he wasn't, he's, now he's in prison. And Jesus says, the kingdom's coming. The kind of kingdom Jesus is bringing looks a little subversive. It, 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 it has to, it's, it's seen, it's, it's understood, it's experienced not so much by perception as by faith. He even says that. Believe it. It's the power of faith, not the power of perception. power of perception is things are getting worse. And as you and I look around the landscape of our, of our community, as we look around the landscape of our nation, as we look around the landscape of our, of our, of our globe, of our, of our world, of our world order, it looks like things are getting worse. And it rises, it causes in us a, an emotional rise of panic, of fear, of daunting overwhelm of the sense of we better get it together because things are we're losing we're losing it's losing things are and there's an there's a collective rise in panic around the world we're, especially when you're in a pandemic global disease pandemonium uncertainty fear Different ideologies rising over one against the other. Not unlike the days of Jesus and, some of the and then the leading voice up to this time for the message of hope, the message of cleanse, cleansing, the message of transformation. The leading voice, he's silenced and now he's in prison on his way to death. 
And Jesus says, the kingdom's near. Don't lose hope. What your eyes see, what your senses perceive, what your life experiences is not an accurate depiction of the direction this world is in. I am more powerful than those things. I am more capable of those things, Jesus is saying. I am a greater reflection of what is happening in this world than what you can see and hear and taste and touch, and yet you've become so able to believe those things. What you can touch, what you can feel, you can, what you can see, you, you've become so able to believe those factors. Believe me, he says. Believe me. That's the message. The message is repent and believe. Repent and believe. Uh, repent and believe. It. Uh, when you hear that, if you, if you have any religious background in your life, repent and believe is, I, I think you probably think you know what that means. I think I, when I come at it, I think I grew up thinking I knew what that meant too. Believe in Jesus, repent. Yeah, repent was the, repent was the negative side of things. Repent was, in my mind, it was the growing up. And you probably think you know what repentance means. Repent means turn away from sin. Stop doing what you're doing. Yeah, it means that. means turn away from the direction you're going to the, and believe in Jesus. Turn away from, turning, turn away from, your own, from your own evil ways to the work of Christ. Yes, that, it does mean that, but it doesn't simply mean that. It doesn't even dramatically mean that. What it means is, predominantly, in a world that is trying to bring change to the landscape of culture, and you and I, as we've already said, are trying to bring change to our world. We're trying to make our kingdoms better. Repent means turn away from all the mechanisms and all the ideologies and all the perspectives and all the methods of self-salvation that you're trying to use to bring about your own or a kingdom that's healthy. Not just about doing the right thing or turning from sin. The biggest sin is that you and I are investing our energies, we're investing our senses in methods of self-salvation. Ideologies of hope, perspectives, paradigms, philosophies, Politics that are leading me, hopefully, that are, that, are, that are an attempt to bring about urban renewal, that are an attempt to bring about cultural advancement. When Jesus says, turn away from that, believe in me, believe in, not, be, believe, what does he say? He says, repent and believe the good news. Turn away from those things. Turn away from the, from, the, from the means and methods that I have to bring about cultural transformation, to bring about a kingdom that is healthy and beautiful. Turn away from those mechanisms 
and their sin and their captivations. Turn away from that and believe in the good news. Believe in me and the good news. Believe that the good news can change it. That the grace of God can change it. That the mechanism, that the, that the means by which transformation occurs is by believing in the kingdom and the good news it offers. The good news of God's grace that he does not hold our sins against us. That, his, that the power of his grace is greater than any other paradigm we offer this world. Life upon life of transformative grace changes the world. Follow me. Follow me. And here's the thing. <laughs> Jesus saying, follow me, uh, to these guys and them saying, okay. And they, they, the, the, it was with the hopefulness. It was, the, is, it was a, with the shine. It was the, with the immediate sort of captivation that the world is going to get better and that we're going to bring about this holistic change. But keep in mind, if you've read the rest of the book of Mark, they had no clue where this following was going to lead them. They had the hope of it, new transformation in the kingdom. It did mean turning away from the old philosophies and ideas and, and self-salvations, ways that I'm trying to make myself better, ways I'm trying to live my life more to the dream that I have. But more, and Jesus turn away from that and turn to me, believe in me, believe in the grace of the kingdom, believe in the good news of the kingdom. That will change that, that, good news, that, that, that our sins are not held against us, that God is for us, that God is more powerful that, uh, to change than we are. That idea and all that goes with the good news is more transformative than all the philosophies and ideas and, and laws and, and, and processes that we see operating in our world to change. The grace of God is more powerful in all those capacities to bring about the dream that you envision in your head. The grace of God can accomplish that if you'll follow me. And they said, yes, I'll follow you. I'll want that dream. I want to be a part of that dream. And I want, my, I want my dreams to be in that dream. And Jesus says, yes, come along. Follow me. It's very much like if you've ever seen the Tolkien the J.R.R. Tolkien books, Lord of the Rings, it's very much like when Frodo says to everybody, hey, let's go, let's go take the ring back to, to Mount Mordor. <laughs> and they all go, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> let's take the ring from the Shire and take it all the way back to Mount Mordor. And when we throw the ring in there, the world will be different. Everything will be changed. All will be well. Hope and health and beauty will be restored. And, that, and in fact, when you read to the end of, of all of 1,500 pages, you get to the end of page one, 1,500 page. It is. <laughs> it is. Beautiful, restored, hopeful, glorious with a king who's better than any other king you'd ever imagine, who exalts and the, and, the, and the different warring nations of Middle Earth are gloriously living together in the Shire and families and hope and health. But the distance between page 1 and page 1500 is huge and it's full of danger. And people nearly die, and some do, all the way through it. They had no clue what they were in for. 
and I don't say that to your threat, to anyone's threat, I say it to, to the glorious nature, the adventure that Jesus was offering them, the adventure that Jesus is offering you, the journey that Jesus is providing by his kingdom is so glorious that he, could, he can't put it into words at the front end. And it's a journey that you and I would never take if we saw the end of it. But it's a journey once you get there. It's a journey once you've overcome it. It's a journey once you've experienced it. You'd never, for the life of you, give it up again. A journey that's... One of, one of my closest friends always says to me, it's not an adventure unless someone almost dies. <laughs> that's the good news. That's the... That's the message of grace. The thing is, the kind of adventure to the kingdom Jesus is offering is an amazing adventure, and it's full of t moments where we almost die, but it's also full of adventures where we actually have to die. We have to die to us, to our, to our sense of power, to our sense of knowing what's right, to our perceptions, to our ideas, to our, to our preconceived notions, and trust that the Savior who sees us and knows us better, trust that, that because He knows us better, because He understands what the true kingdom is about, to, that what, what holistic healing is necessary, trust, that he, that, trust Him when He says to us, if you knew what I know about you, if you knew what I have in store for you, if you knew, if you could see, if you could perceive the journey and the adventure that, I, that awaits you, you would surrender everything you thought you wanted in favor of that. Trust me, he says. Trust me. Follow me. And I'll turn you into people who will help other people believe that. And that's how the kingdom changes the world. One by one, heart by heart, that's the means. By utilizing people. Often the, often the outsiders, the, the extremities, the leftovers, the the ne'er-do-wells, which is what fishermen were. I mean, Jesus came. <laughs> he didn't go to the highest reaches of humanity. He didn't go to the, to the Mensa clinic. He didn't go to the doctors and lawyers. He went to the, to the plain folk, went to the down-to-earth, went to the, the, the people who'd lost hope, the people who were maybe the most cynical. One of the, one of the people, these are the four bro brothers, families, neighboring businesses, maybe competitors, outsiders. Later on, in the other Gospels, he tells us that he picked a, he picks, he picked a zealot. A zealot. A zealot in its day, and zealot to some extent today, is basically, in the equivalent cultural expression, it's basically a terrorist trying to bring about transformation to a culture through a means, terrorism, violence. Jesus says, follow me, follow me. 
Believe in the good news. We can bring about what you want, but in a way that's going to change it all and not lose any of it. Jesus isn't about renovation. He's about restoration. Which mean, and you understand the different process? Renovation is we go in and we knock it all down and then we build it back up from scratch. That's not what Jesus is about. Jesus is about restoration. Restoration, how does that work? To the world. That's what his kingdom, kingdom is bringing. It's about restoration, resurrection, taking the dead thing, taking the broken thing, taking the unhealthy thing, and letting it blossom beyond what it is, not wiping it off the face of the earth, but saying, I want to I I restore it, renew it, your life and every other life, and then the culture will change as well but not losing any of it, not losing any of it, which means that Christians are investing. Christians, God's people, are more able to invest in what is here than anybody else because believers understand that what is here is beautiful, valuable, renewable, restorative. Yes, it can be resurrected. Marriages can be resurrected. Broken relationships can be resurrected. Careers can be resurrected. Financial loss can be renewed and restored Beauty and diversity can be transformed. This is the work of the renovated kingdom. From the outsiders, happens life by life, heart by heart. People. Jesus investing in those people. Seeing them, hearing them, wanting them. Jesus said, Jesus shows us the generations. The Father sends the Son. The Son engages the hearts of the people and then sends the people who then engage the hearts of other people who then send those people. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to provide you with fish. I'm going to teach you how to fish. I'm not just going to be the kingdom for you and change your world and help you to be a part of that. I'm going to help you make others be a part of that. And all the while, I'm the one doing the making. He says, I will make you. I will make you. You don't have to make yourself. I will make you. I will do this for you. And then I will make you become those fishers of men. Uh, you will then, when I make you into that, you will become that person who, who it becomes contagious with the message of good news. Not the message of your ideology, not the message of your hopefulness about your own ideas, not the message of your own uh, images of, and, 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 and paradigms, but the message of the good news. That it becomes the central operating captivation of your heart and of your life. So drastically captivating that Jesus says, Jesus says, to these men, I want you to be willing to leave your generation's old family business to become poet, warrior, kings in my kingdom. That's dramatic. That Jesus, that this message of the good news, that this person of Jesus Christ would become so central and so captivating to me, I would give him and the message of that grace more allegiance than my job, more priority than my family, more focus than my desire. 
and watch it change me. Watch it renew the things that I touch and the places that I go. Watch it bring life in places that we thought there was death in that counterintuitive process that seems like it's losing, but it's actually winning. That's what he offers. And he offered it to them in their day, and he offers it to us in this day, and it's the same powerful change. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you're the one doing it and that we can believe that this kind of change can occur if we surrender our own ideas and believe you, believe you. You love us so much. You've given us so much. (laughs) How will you, who did not spare your own son, not also along with him, give us all things for your glory and for the transformation of your world. In Jesus' name we pray.